Okay, ladies, we missed a, a, a week, but we'll get right down to it. Uh, and I promised you that we would talk about Michal, and uh, we didn't talk about Michal. So basically, um, it's a very strange thing that happens at the end of chapter 25. Okay, um, let's screen share. So I was just going to go backwards for two minutes. This is Chapsai, and that's our chapter today, chapter 27. And last week was chapter 26. We did not, I did not remember to talk about Michal. And at the end of chapter 25, it's the story of Abigail. That's when the whole story of Michal happens, right? David uh, marries Abigail at the end of the whole story with Naval. He, uh, Naval dies, and he, um, he uh, sends messengers to Abigail that she should marry him, and she marries him. And he has another wife, Achinoam of Israel. And as a sort of afterthought, at the last bit, a very long parak, uh, and Shaul gave Michal, his daughter, the wife of David, to Palti ben from Galim. Which is a very, very strange thing to say. Like, it says clearly that she's Aisha's David. And there's a few different approaches here. I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on it because I kept promising that I would and I didn't. Um, okay. So there's a, no a number of ways of understanding this. I'm going to focus on three ways. Okay. Okay. Um, so one way is that this whole thing was, and this is the Chazal's view. The Chazal's view, and this is brought in the Embracious Rabbah. I don't know if I open it through Embracious Rabbah. I might have. Embracious Rabbah. Yeah. Okay. Embracious Rabbah. We're talking about um, um, Anshe Dami Mimirma. This is the this is the uh, uh, Tehillim, right? Where David talks about doing an Achitofel. Uh, this is should be 52. I think it's a mistake, but it says five. And it says that Doeg permitted immorality and bloodshed, just like Achitofel did. He said to Shaul, is David's marriage valid? Is he not a traitor against the throne? It is as if he's already dead. So now release his wife, declare him a condemned man. If he is dead, his life is forfeited, his wife can uh, marry someone else. And so Shaul arose and did what Doeg had said. And he gave Michal, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish. Okay, so according to Hazal, Doeg is the one who says it's, it's permissible to give her away because David is a rebel and he is as good as dead. Okay, but the Gemara says that he was not, he was called here Palti 
in this sense. Later on, it's called Palti Ale. And that's because Hashem saved him. Lefalet is a palit, is a refugee. God saved him from sin. And the Medrash says that he put a sword between himself and Michal, and, um, and he never touched her. That's a very interesting Medrash. And afterwards, when David uh, demands that she be brought back to him, which happens much later, right, in Shmuel Bet, and it says, um, that Palti followed her crying as far as Bahuim. And the Gemara Darshan's here also that he was um, like, like a uh, husband, but he wasn't really like a husband, but just because he was concerned about her. And and because he 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 was crying because he was losing this tremendous mitzvah of of restraining himself, and they were like bahuim. They were not. Uh, they were young, young like young men, and they did not sin. So this this is the view of Hazal that Shaul uh, that Doeg Paskin that it was okay to give her away that Shaul gave her away, and that Palti and Michal did not sin. That's one, that's the Chazal. Now, the Radak says that um, David was forced to give her a get against his will. And Shaul insisted that he give her a get. And because he was coerced, the get was not actually valid. But Michal didn't know that, and Palti didn't know that. And how can he take her back after she's with Palti? So the Chazal say because it was all a mistake, because there really was no get, and it was their mistake because they thought there was a get. That's the opinion of the Radak. And the Abarbanel says that Palti was sort of a, a father or grandfather figure, and he was just taking care of her because Shaul was worried that she might run off after David, or worse, run off after some other guy. And so Palti was in, by by way of being a chaperone. That's the Bible's idea. I'm giving you the ideas. It is a very, very difficult story, uh, the story of Michal. And it, it gets worse in Shmobet. It's very sad and uh, does not seem to be um, something that's going to go in a good direction. But anyway, it sounds as if Shaul is kind of angry that David took other wives and that's why he gives uh, Michal away the placement of the Pasuk at the end of chapter 25 when you see that David has married Abigail and Achinoam and Shoal gives Michal away it sounds like sort of you know Shoal was angry with him and said okay that's it for you and gives Michal away so that's a very sad story on many fronts so we went last time, so I'm just recapping because we, um, we skipped a week. Last week, we learned Parak Havav. Um, Parak Havav is a similar case to Parak Havdalit, where David, uh, running away from Shaul, actually finds uh, Shaul helpless and is able to hurt him and does not. This story... Is slightly different than the first one in chapter 24, because in chapter 24, Shoal takes David by surprise. He comes into the cave, they're hiding in the cave, 
and Shaul cuts his cloak, which is actually um, considered disrespectful. And in chapter 26, he initiates the meeting. He goes down, and by a miracle, everyone is asleep, and he takes the spear, and he takes the um, the water jug, but he doesn't um, commit any affront to Shaul's person. And they're similar in that way that David is able to hurt Shaul and doesn't. And they're similar because Shaul is full of remorse and he's, you know, uh, come back. He says at the end of Fakhafab, he says, I won't hurt you anymore. And um, in here he says, in chapter 24, he says, I know you're going to be king. And here, um, Uh, Shaul finally admits that he has sinned and he says come back my son David I won't do anything bad to you anymore because my soul was precious in your eyes today I did foolishly and I made many mistakes and this is a very important admission and a very important um, statement. And at the end, he says, He blesses him. Blessed are you, my son David. I know that you will do. I know you will succeed. And this is the last encounter that the two of them have. And it seems as if, you know, Shoal once again is so full of um, he's so full of uh, remorse and regret and I sinned and I was foolish and I made mistakes and yet when we start our chapter chapter 27 we see that David cannot take Shoal's protestations at face value you know, it's, you know, that ship has sailed. This is Pasuk Aleph in Perakaf Zayin. One of these days, I'm going to get killed by Shaul. And it is actually a tremendously tragic story here because you would think after all of Shaul's, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake, I was foolish, I sinned. You would think that David would say, okay, you know, fine. But David is smart. And David says, he, he's, he's swayed now because he saw this and he, and he is moved by it. But I, I can't trust him because, you know, tomorrow he'll be after me again. And it, it is true. We see that later on that Shola had not given up the chase yet. And very sadly, it's not it's not time for David to say, okay, I'm coming back home. Well, let's forgive it. It's not happen. Take a look at this parak. It's an extremely short parak, only 12 pasuk, and probably one of the shortest, shortest parakim in this book, if not the shortest. And it has a, an interesting story, an interesting development um, that David has a new plan to save himself, right? 
So first of all, Mechazal, look at this phrase, David David said to his heart, there's a, a beautiful medrash in Bracious. Here. Vayomer Hashem Elibo. Harashayim Hengrashut Ribon. The evil people are, their heart is in charge of them. And there is a few examples. Amar Naval Belibo. That's from Tehillim, chapter 14. Vayomer Asa Belibo. Right? All these evil people, they say, the, the expression is in their hearts. Their hearts are ruling them. Their emotions are in charge. They control their hearts. In other words, their emotions don't rule their behavior. How here's examples. And here our Pasik, David Elibo, and of course Hashem Elibo. So this is uh, definitely something that we should uh, we should learn here that the the um, first thing we should take away is that we should always be striving to be in control of our emotions and not let our emotions rule us. So why does David decide that it's time to leave the land of Israel? Over here, he said to, in, in chapter 26, he said to Shaul, right? And Gershuni Hayom, they have expelled me today. They have driven me out from being in the inheritance of God, saying, go and serve other gods. And we talked about this passage somewhat. Generally speaking, the, the what Chazal take from this is that um, there are certain comparisons that if a person leaves the land of Israel, it's as if he goes to serve idols. And of course, there are reasons why people leave the land of Israel, but it's definitely a... Um, a problem that David has because as long as he's in the land of Israel, Shoal is going to be chasing him. Now, if we look at the map, okay, he's going to go to the land of the Plishtim. So there is. Here. Okay, so this is the map of David's travels, and he's right now um, going to Gat. Okay, he has been, where has he been? He was with, um, Midbar Zif, Midbar Zif. Okay, that was his last location, which is over here. And now he decides that as long as he's in the general territory of Jewish land, he's going to be at risk. And he wants to go over here to God. Now, the Plishti lands specifically 
is on the coast here, Ashdod, Ashkelon, and Aza, right? And the inland cities were Gat and Ekron. I don't see Ekron on this particular map, but Gat seems to be a real stronghold of Plishti territory. Oh, here's Ekron up here. So these are the five principal Plishti cities. And David has, if you remember, okay, I'm sure you remember, when David went away from Nob in chapter 21, where did he go? He went to God? Let's go back there for a minute. Okay. He runs away to God. What happens over there? He has tried this place before, right? And what a place to go to. Okay. Isn't this guy David? Remember, he, he killed our brother Goliath. He is not weird. He's not one of ours. And they sing about him that he's killed a lot of Philistines. And David gets very nervous. Remember that his his uh, method of escaping Achish at that time was to pretend that he was crazy. Right? Remember this story? He started drooling and writing on the walls. And Achish said, He made why are you bringing me this nutcase? One of the, the great lines of the Tanakh. Don't I have enough Meshuggahs in my life? I don't need another Meshuggah. First member said his wife and daughter were crazy. So it's very sad, but it's actually very funny. So now we come back and he says, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to run away to the land of the Plishtim. Hello? Doesn't that seem like a strange place to go? And this is his decision, his decision based on logic. Like, I am, one of these days, Shaul's going to kill me. And the Chazal say, like, you know, God has saved you so many times already. God saved him and Michal took him out of the window. And he ran away from uh, from Shaul. Twice he was able to kill him. And he was, these, the miracles are surrounding David every minute. So what is he worried about? So the, the general understanding of the Chazal, this is what Malbim says, Miracles don't happen every day. He's going to lose his chuyot. Uh, you know, you cannot be another thing for us to remember. You can't rely on miracles. You have to live your life on the plane of, you know, logic. It doesn't make sense for him to stick around. He keeps chasing me, keeps coming after me. He says he's sorry, and then he does it again, and then he's sorry and does it again. And if I, you know, if I, if I just let it go, he's eventually going to kill me. And if I go out of the land to the land of Plishtim, he will be noash. He will despair. He will be tired of running after me in all of the borders of Israel, and I will run away from him. So the Malbim, right, Kedarko Bakodesh. The Malbim never says, oh, this is a lot of words. The Malbim says each one of these phrases means to tell us something else. Right? He says, right? I'm going to be safe for three reasons. One, as long as I'm in the land, 
Shoal thinks I'm recruiting followers. And it's getting worse with Shoal. He, he, he thinks all the time, he's paranoid. He thinks I'm going to be take, getting followers. No, this is going to be no Ashman. He's going to give up. He's going to go, oh, well, he's not going to get any followers in Plushty Land. And after that, number two, when he knows that he's not going to find me, he'll stop looking for me because he's, he has to look at the borders of Israel. Israel. It's not shy to think that Shoal can get together an army to go attack the Plishtim in order to find David. I mean, he's not, people are not going to go for that in a big way. It's bad enough. You know, he had to pretend that he was going to fight the Plishtim right earlier in chapter 24 because he wanted to chase David. So he had a, he had an excuse but it's not, it's not going to fly. People are not going to be happy about that. So that's going to be a problem. So he's going to, once I'm out of the border, he's not going to be able to follow me. And then, number three, if he decides to go after me to push him, the king will save me. And it's interesting how David has this confidence in the king. What's, what's the deal? Okay. Um, how is this going to push him going to work better than it worked last time. Pass it back. And I, I just want to raise one issue here, by the way, when he says that they're sending me out of the land of Israel, it's quite a suffix. It's not so clear that this actually is out of Israel. If you look here, this is this is made by Yehuda. This is Yehuda territory. If you're going to say Palishtim is this strip of land and they've taken over here, it's still not exactly outside of the borders of Israel. So it's 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 not so clear that he's actually leaving Israel, halachic Israel, but he's certainly going beyond the borders of where Shaul will pursue him. And that seems to be the strategy. Pasuk Ben. David And he gets up with his 600 men and he goes to Achish, the son of Maoch, who is the king of Gath. So the before Shemesh, Mitsuda says, like, eh, wasn't this the same guy that he had trouble with before? And now we have to be omade. We have to pay attention to the differences in the two stories. Okay. And the Malvin, of course, um, goes into it, right? When he went uh, first time, he came alone. Okay. And the Radak says something very similar, but I don't happen to have Radak in this. Uh, issue, so we'll just stick with the mouth. It's very similar. He came alone and they suspected that he's a spy. Right? And also he wasn't any use to anybody. He was just one person. But now he's coming with 600 men. You can't assume that 600 men are spies. This is a band. This is a this is an army. It's a small army, but it's an army. And Right, Achish is looking at them differently and saying, Well, maybe I could make use of these people, right? Because at a time of war, I'll have another 600 fighters, right? And when he comes in, the Radak goes into it, he says, Right now, the, the debate, the rift between Shaul and David is common knowledge. So when David comes now, it's not the same as when he came before. When he came before, it was he came by himself. He didn't say who he was. They figured it out. He was in a, he was stuck. 
There was no one with him. There was no one to protect him. Now he's coming with 600 men. And it's clear that he has broken up, so to speak. There's a rift between him and the king, Shaul. So we have a principle. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Okay? This is a, a principle in diplomacy that seems to, uh, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows. Here you have Achish, the king of Gat, where their hero was killed by this man. And Achish is making calculations. You know, he is mad at Shaul. Shaul is trying to kill him. So now he's going to be on my side. He's going to help me with my wars. It's a great deal. He's got 600 brave men with him. And Achish, if you recall, back in chapter 21, Achish wasn't the one who wanted to, to kill him. It was the, the, the other people in Gat and probably all of Goliath's relatives. So, yeah, it sounds like a plan. Okay. And David sat with Achish, he, he lived with Achish in Gat, he and his men, and Ishmael and his household. So these men are family men. David brings two wives with him. And so this kind of looks a, you know, it's kind of a settlement. They're not coming to spy. They're 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 coming to join the great Plishti, you know, uh, uh, movement, whatever, so to speak. And uh, it's interesting to note that Abigail is always called Ashit Navala Karmelit. Like, what is up with that? And the um, the different expressions for that are that he. He, um, it's an expression that David got the better of Naval in the end. You know, he he didn't go after him and kill him, but God killed him, and David married his wife. There is a, a comment of the Chida, the Chomatanach, and it, it asks, "How come Abigail gets second billing over here? Because we know that Abigail is." And Nivia, she's an Isha Hashubama, she's a very important person. She saved David from great sin. And um, why doesn't she get top billing? And it, it's an interesting comment he makes because he's showing us that Achinom is also a great woman, right? We don't know anything about her, but she's also a great woman. So David has these, these great wives and this sort of, uh, you know, put down of Naval built in, and they settle in that. And here is a very sad comment. By you God Lashol, Pasik Dalit, he barach David Gat, the Loyasak Odubak Shaul. Shaul heard that David had run away to Gat and he did not continue to chase him anymore. This is sad because if you remember, we, we wondered like, would Shaul stay with his, you know, you know, great, you know, uh repentance at the end of chapter 26, we see that here, Shaul hears that David went to God and he didn't, he didn't run after him. In other words, he didn't run after him anymore. In other words, the subtext of this passage is he would have kept on chasing him if he hadn't gone to God. So David is actually quite correct in his assessment that Shaul cannot be trusted. Shaul is not 
um, operating in full possession of his, um, uh, what shall I say? I, I would say he's suffering from mental illness because that, that's what it really seems to be. There's, there's something there that's very problematic. And it's interesting that Rav Bachrach wrote a book called Ma Bain Sha'ul David. Yoshua Bachrach. It's a wonderful book. It was never translated, which is a shame. And he asked this question, why does Shaul keep on chasing David? Why? And he says, I know you're going to be the king. I know you're going to succeed. Right? What's, what's going on here? And he, he actually references an interesting story in Devarim. Right? So this is the story of the Mashuach Milchama. Before the before the Jews go out to war, they have a Kohen who is an anointed Kohen, and they come. It comes around to the troops in the army, and he said, "They say, and they give categories, right?" The man who built a house and did not yet make a Hanukkah to buy it. The man who built, who planted a vineyard and did not yet um, redeem it, right? Or take the fruit, right? The man who made a, a, an engagement with a woman and didn't marry her yet. And in each three of these cases, it says, lest he die in the war and another man will, you know, make a Hanukkah to buy it or uh, you know, redeem the vineyard or marry the woman. And Rashi makes an interesting comment here. He says, It is a tremendous pain for a person. And he, he says, Shaul losing the kingship isn't the problem. Shaul losing the kingship to David to someone else is the problem. It's a very, very um, uh, piercing analysis of human nature and the nature of jealousy, right? Shaul has been told that he's going to lose his kingship and God is giving it to Recha Tovimcha, your friend who's better than you. And this eats away at Shaul, the jealousy and the, the, the thought that He's not giving his kingship to his son. His son is a supporter of David. He's giving over his kingship. It's going to end up in the hands of David. And this he can't handle. And uh, it's, it's a big muster for us on the evils of jealousy and how, you know, it messes with your midos and, and can drive you crazy. Very, very um, important lesson. Shaul cannot give it up, but once he knows that he's in Plishti land, he gives it up. That's that's it. You know, he knows that this is not something he can pursue. David comes to Achish and he says, listen, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a place. In one of the field, uh, one of the cities of the field, or a town in the field, and I'll dwell there. Why should your servant 
live in this um, capital city with you. Now, what's really behind this request? Okay, why does David want to have his own place? David has plans that we'll see at the end of the parak, um, and they don't include having, you know, achish on his back all the time and achish, you know, in his business all the time. So he would like to separate and have some independence. The question is, why would achish agree to it? Okay, so the Mefarshim say here, right? I, I'm going to be a burden. We're talking about it for 600 men in David's army. We're talking about a lot of people here because they come with wives and with children. And it's a lot of people to sort of settle in, in a city and they'll they'll end up taking it over. So David says to Akashim, give me a little town somewhere. And the Malbin, in his usual uh, interesting way, analyzes and listens. Um, I want, I want, I hope that I find favor in your eyes. And don't suspect me of, you know, of trying to do anything, right? Um, I don't want to, I don't want to be here. If you suspect me of something and maybe you want me to be here so that you can, you know, keep an eye on me, you know, if I find favor in your eyes, perhaps you won't suspect me. And if you give me a place, then I won't have to come into, you know, any kind of uh, disagreements with your people. And if you're afraid to give me a walled town because you're afraid that it might become a fortress, give me an open an open town. And Achish uh, agrees. Now, Achish really does like David. He actually finds favor in his eyes and he actually believes him. Now, where is Tziklag? Okay, here is Tziklag. Okay, so if you look at the, this is all Yehuda territory. Here's Rishalayim. This is all Yehuda territory. And Tziklag is uh, south, a little bit west of Gat, but it's quite a nice distance. He is going to take over this little town there, and it's going to be his own little, you know, kingdom. I, I think it's important to notice that David you know, as he goes on his journey, he becomes more and more of a king figure, right? He starts, off, you know, as a fugitive by himself, and then he has 400 people, then he has 600 people. Now he has his own town and his own, yes, he has wives. He is like growing in stature, and through his experiences, he's becoming more and more um, worthy of being a king and more and more... Um, experienced at what's what's entailed and if you take a look over here in Yehoshua Tziklag is listed as one of the towns of Yehuda right and these are the cities at the edge of the tribe of the sons of Yehuda toward the border of Edom and right there in verse 31 chapter 15 of Yehoshua Tziklag so here's the interesting thing if Tziklag was already uh, Yehuda city. So why is Achish giving it to David? And so there's a, there's two possibilities here. Either either they conquered Siklag, the Bnei Yehuda, and then the Plishtim took it. So now it's Plishti territory, and he gives it uh, to David as a mark of favor, a place for him. 
and it's also possible that um, it's listed in the cities of Yehuda because eventually it will become a city of Yehuda, and it wasn't until now. But notice that it says Tziklag became for the kings of Yehuda until today. In other words, once David makes that his little, you know, his little town, it becomes a town for the kings of Yehuda forever. Okay, now this is sort of the second half of the parak, and and this is a little bit of a difficult story. We'll do our best with it. And the days. The number of days that David dwelt in the fields of the Philistines was Yamim, which we'll leave that open for a minute, and four months. The many, many times in the Tanakh, when it says Yamim, it means a year. Right? We have that by um, Lava and Rivka. They say Rivka hang around for Yamim o Asor, for a year or ten months. And it's generally understood to be, you know, the months come after the years. So it would be a year and four months. However, Hazal have a very big problem with that because there's not so much time elapsed that I have gone through, I think, the chronology with you back in chapter seven, where we said that the ark was in Kiryat Yarim for 20 years, and we divide up the 20 years as seven years of David as king in Hebron, 13 years um, where 11 years of Shmuel's rule and two years of Shaul's. So that doesn't leave us a lot of time because Shmuel has already died and Shaul is destined to die um, in some counts four months, Redox says seven months after Shmuel. So there isn't enough time for David to be in Siklag for a year and four months. Rashi says, Rashi says, no, Yamim just means two days. And the Malbim says, why the days before the months? Because the days are the times that he spent in God itself. He spent days in God. And eventually he asked for uh, his presence, like in a town or like a, um, to set up shop in the, in the town. And he gave him Siklag and that was four months. So that's the, that's the kind of understanding here. The whole count, I just as an editorial comment, the whole count of Chazal is, you know, it's based on a lot of Sukkim, but it's it's a difficult one because to take at face value that the entire story that we're reading from chapter nine until chapter 31 is two years, it's difficult. And, um, the Abarmanel says the two years that Shaul rules, and that's it says in the Pasuk in chapter 13, Pasuk Aleph, it says that Shaul rules two years. It's really, really a difficult Pasuk. And the Abarmanel says, you know, what really happened was that the two years were until the time that David is anointed. And there's another 15 years that, you know, they're running all over the country, chasing each other, so to speak. Actually, Shaul's chasing David. Anyway, let's go on. This is really um, an important discussion. 
and Hagizri, right? We don't know who the Gizri are. The Gishuri are, um, we connect them later on that Avshalom's, uh, Avshalom's uh, grandfather is from Geshur, that Avshalom's mother is a, a Fatoar. That's a whole discussion, not, not for now. But definitely these are not Jewish people and these are enemies. And the Amaleki, how do we get Amaleki? Didn't we wipe them out? Chapter 15. So how could that be? So there's a number of ways of understanding it. The simplest one being the Amaleki that Shaul fought in chapter 15 were Amaleki who were very um, um, problematic. They started up, they were making trouble, but there were other Amalek tribes in other areas. And we're, we're commanded to wipe out Amalek wherever they are, but that was a specific tribe that Shaul was attacking. And the other answer is that, you know, they, many of them got away while they were dealing with the spoils or that they actually were magicians who turned themselves into animals and they didn't kill the animals. So the animals were people. It's a strange story, but definitely we keep on hearing about Amaleki after chapter 15. And David and his men go up against these people because they dwelt in the land forever, going as far as Shura and toward Egypt. And David has this plan, Okay, so David strikes these um, people, right, their towns, and he doesn't let anybody stay alive. And he takes the sheep and the cattle and the donkeys and the camels and the clothes and all the plunder and the pillaging and he takes it all and he goes back to Achish. And, you know, they become buddies. Which is really, where'd you go raiding today? Oh, I was raiding by the Jews and the south of Yehuda and Yerachmiel and the Kani who are allies of the Jews. So here is the Araya Kani. Now remember the Kani are descendants of Yisrael. And they are our allies forever. And then you have the uh, the Arei Rachmi'eli that he said about in the Negev Yehuda. Yeah, I'm attacking the Jews every day. And uh, this is like a brilliant tactic that David is is saying. Right? You know, I killed Jews. Why does he? What is he doing? And why is he doing it? Going back to that text. So. What David is trying to do is convince Achish that he is now an ally. But David is a, a loyal um, Jew, and he is not going to do anything that's going to be problematic for the Jews. So the people who he is attacking are actually, they are um, enemies of the Jews. So what is he doing? He's he's killing out a Malik and he's killing out and uh, 
killing out Amalek and he's killing out the other the other enemies of the Jews. And then he comes to Achish and says, I'm killing out your enemies. And it's a very big uh, balagan, what's going on here. And and then he doesn't, he doesn't keep anyone alive. There are, there's nobody left to come back to Achish and say, you know, you think David is attacking Jews. He's not. He's attacking us. So what's going on here? And it's a very, very, um, a very, very great um, plan that David has to help the Jewish people. And the Ralbag, the Ralbag goes into a whole discussion of this. And read that for you. Well, Bob says it's the greatness of David that he is able, no matter what his personal circumstances are and how difficult things are for him, And this is to tell you the power of the love David had for his nation. Just to mention the Ralbag, okay? The Ralbag, what the Ralbag does is at the end of every um, story, he goes through a list of the toilets, the the uh, purposes of the story, the things we learn from the story, the life lessons that Ralbag um, extracts from the story. This is his life lesson 44, to tell you the love that David had for his nation. Because even at the time when he ran away from the land of Israel and he was in the land of the Philistines, he was fighting the fight, the, the wars of God against the enemies of Israel. And he would destroy them and not let anyone stay alive. And this was the wisdom of David, that he did this thing in a way that Achish thought that David was chasing Jews and killing them. And he had more and more confidence in him thinking that he had made the Jews uh, uh, angry with him. And in this way, David, um, um, David did, this is why David did not want to dwell in the capital city of Achish. Right? And you have this uh, very um, profound statement. David would never do anything to hurt the Jewish people. And so his plan is to keep Achish from learning his true intentions and yet do whatever is possible to help his own people. Now, the question is, when how, how are we supposed to understand David wiping out all these people? And it's a, it's a difficult question. It's not a simple question. And the, the Mepharshim tried to answer it in a few different ways, which we'll look at. One is we have to figure out who these people are, right? Um, Malbim says like this, he attacked the nations that dwelt in the land, right? They dwelt in the land, it says Me'olam, this is Pasuk They dwelt in the land forever. 
from the time of Yeshua, and they are from the seven nations, that we have a commandment, lo you shall not allow anyone to live. And that's why it says coming to Shurak, Shura, till Egypt. Okay. So according to the Malbim, they're from the seven nations. So going back to our, our study of Yeshua, if you remember, we understood that Yeshua gave the nations, the seven nations in the land of Israel, three options. You can leave. And if you remember, we said the Girgashi left as a body. Goodbye, Charlie. They moved to Africa and lived happily ever after. We were left really with six nations. Now, of the six nations, there were the ones who didn't leave had two more choices. Choice number two, one, the first one was to leave. The second one is you can um, surrender under our terms. In other words, you have to be subservient to Jewish people and you have to be macabre on yourself. The seven laws are the sons of Noah. And that includes no idolatry. Give me a second. I'll give you the other six. Um, the Avram and Achai, right? You can't take a limb from a living animal. You can't um, um, blaspheme. You can't steal. You have to set up courts of law. You're not allowed to murder, you're not allowed to steal, and you're not allowed to serve idols. So the seven laws. You have to, so the pagan seven nations would have to give up their way of life and their idolatry and serve the Jewish people. The only people who took that option as a group were the Givonim. They did it with trickery, but they did do it. And they remained alive for many, many years. Individuals took that option, like Rahab, who joined the Jewish people, or the man from Luz who left and moved up north and um, he actually went away and was blessed in many, many amazing ways. And the others, you can fight. And then the law is that we have to, you know, wipe them out. So the Sefer Achina goes into a whole discussion and calls this mitzvah Tafchaf um, Hay, and that there are seven nations. And these are seven nations the mitzvah is So actually, according to the Chinuch, according to the Malbim, David is fulfilling the commandment that was not never finished. The conquest was never finished in the time of Yeshua. So he's actually acting like a king. And unfortunately, if we contrast Shoal's behavior and David's behavior, Shoal comes off very much in a negative way. He's spending all his time chasing David. He doesn't protect his people from the Plishtim. When, when, if you remember back in Keilah, the Ke the the Plishtim are raiding in Keilah, and, and Shul doesn't do anything about it. He's not functioning as a leader. He's not doing what he needs to do as a leader. And meantime, David is doing the things a leader needs to do. He's uh, refining his army. He's uh, chasing the enemy, and here he is fighting against the people that we're supposed to fight against. So it's kind of that David is actually doing things that he's supposed to be doing. So we have to ask about the seven nations, right? Why are they uh, slated for you know, being wiped out? And the Chinuch says, because they're the source of Avodah They're the source of evil and paganism. And, um, you know, and he asks, the Chinuch goes into a discussion. It's like, well, why were they created? They were created because they have free choice and some of them were good and some of them were saved and some of them had like you know uh 
like Rahab and the man from Luz, who went on to have um, great lives. But um, as a group, they were very problematic and they were very depraved and degenerate. And this is according to the Malvin, who they're killing. And the Rambam, by the way, says there is no such mitzvah anymore. After Sanhariv uh, came into the land and mixed all the different populations, we no longer know who those seven nations are. And like if someone comes and says, I'm a Knani, you know, we have no mitzvah to kill them. Now the Abarbanel goes into this whole thing and says, I, I can't imagine, it doesn't make any sense to him, this is his language, how could David be so treacherous to Achish and kill his people and no one would ever know about it? How could this even work? Right? And he comes up with a very interesting theory there, Barbell. He says like this, um, it's impossible. How, how could this even work? And he says, really, the people that he killed were actually enemies of Achish also. So that nobody was actually very sad when they were killed. <laughs> he always comes out of left field with something. Okay, he says, now, it doesn't make any sense that David was killing Achish's allies and Achish never heard anything about it. And he says, no, it makes sense that they were actually people that Achish couldn't stand anyway. And so they were, you know, they were enemies of the Jews, they were enemies of Achish. In this case, um, that, that, that was the people he killed. In any event, um, when David tells him, I, I attacked the Jews, Pasuket Aleph, he never left anybody alive, that they should come to God, Lemor, saying, right, what was David saying? They didn't want anyone coming to Achish and telling him what was really going on. Right? And all the time that he was with the Plishtim, when he would make these raids, and don't forget, he's also bringing a lot of plunder to Achish. He's giving him lots of stuff. So Achish is, is good with that. Right? He would take the tzom bakach, he brings it to Achish. He brings him lots of stuff. And Achish is really, and I think this is one of the things you got to remember, that Basing your alliances on the enemy of my enemy is my friend is kind of naive, and you got to watch your back because Achish is really um, royally getting taken here by David. David's very wise, but it's uh, it's kind of scary. But yeah, main Achish for David Lemar have Eishim Ishba Mobi Israel Ayeli Levin Olav. He's very happy with this. Achish believes David. Pasuket it's the last pasuk in the in the chapter. He says David is disgusted with them, right? He's fed up. Beisha is like um, a, a bad smell, like uh, odious. They're, they're odious, you know, to him, and he's going to be my servant forever. He's certain that David is on his side, and that. He never wants to go back. And actually, it's not really, except for the fact that David is, you know, going and doing these ratings and, and like killing people. He doesn't know that. And he really feels that David's on his side, which is really very interesting. Now, I want to point out that the beginning of chapter 28, 
you see that the first two psukim, remember we said that the chapter divisions and the book divisions are kind of arbitrary Christian things. This actually makes no sense, but this is in chapter 28 because it clearly belongs in chapter 27. Now, this is where the crunch happens, okay? The Plishtim are going to fight the Jews, and Nachos says, you're going to come with me. And now, David is in a lot of hot water. You know what I'm going to do, which is really, <laughs> totally means nothing, right? You're going to be my bodyguard all the days. So you'll see that David's, you know, great plot is going to lead him into a lot of trouble. We're not going to see that really, um, how that's going to be problematic until a little bit of a while. But there you have this, um, this sort of uh, mess that David has gotten himself into. Actually, actually chapter Chavchet uh, is one of the, we'll, we'll do that next time we're about finished here. It's one of the uh, strangest stories of the Tanakh, the story of the Balat Ov and Shaul. We're going to switch now to Shaul and what's going on with Shaul. But we, we see here in chapter 27, a kind of desperate David, a David who has just given up on trying to make things work and just gone over to kind of this strange sort of existence, trying to like play the game on all sides and to see how he can, you know, survive in this situation as long as it takes. And um, it's really rough to see it. And it's really kind of sad. And in a certain way, you get a, you get a little worried about, you know, our hero and going around and <clears throat> doing these raids. <clears throat> so the Farshim said, you know, you know, it's sort of, uh, David was doing this for Pikuach Nefesh. He was saving himself. He was saving his whole band of people. They had nothing to eat. They had no way to, you know, uh, protect themselves or, or um, support themselves. So that's that's what he was doing. Okay, strange, strange story. Give a stop the screen share. And um, anyone has any questions, thoughts, ideas, comments? I finally did get to the Michal story, but there's more to get. We'll get to that more in in Shmobet. And um, yeah, you guys are all on mute. So if you have anything to say, you have to unmute yourselves. It was very interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> I think the story is fascinating. Yeah, it's like poor David, you know, he's pushed to all sorts of, you know, extreme behaviors and he's trying to like keep his head above water. Can I ask a really ignorant question, which is how do how do we know? How does it get introduced? Like, how do Tehillim get introduced? How did what? Tehillim, Tehillim. How do they get introduced? Like, we know that David Melech wrote them, but when is it that you know people reading Tehillim becomes a thing? Um, 
when does it become a thing is a very interesting question. I, I would have to research that for you. But when does David write them? There are, there's a whole um, discussion in the Gemara about Tehillim and that Tehillim has, you know, it was kind of, a lot of it was David, but there are some things that, you know, Tefillah Lemoshe, Mizmor of Nekorah, you know, Asaf, Nolav Saf. So there were a lot of people who kind of, you know, had their uh, compositions added in. It's it's a whole, it's tell us a whole, whole discussion. But I, Debs, and um, yeah, I, I could uh, find, find some research for you, find some sources for you to look at. I will try to to get that for you because it's like a very, very interesting, very interesting thing. But there's no question that um, one of the fascinating aspects of David's personality, and you know, the, the Abarmel has a great discussion of it in chapter, uh, at the end of chapter 16, when, when Shoal's got the Ruach Ra, and one of the one of the guys speaks up, which we find out later, is Doeg, and he says, you know, there's a, a son of Yishai is, you know, the day and again, that you know, the Gibor Chaya, the Ishmu Chama, the Rabon Dabar, the Ishtor Rashem Mimo, and he goes on to all these things. And Abraham says that David is such a rare combination of qualities, because you have here like the brilliant warrior, the strategist the you know the brave soldier the guy who comes and like it you know attacks Goliath and vanquishes him and all the great wars that David fights and at the same time he's a poet he's a musician it it's like it's such a contradiction you know if you think about the warrior and the poet and the musician it doesn't go together you know, and then he's also, you know, brilliant and Hashem is with him. Like, how do you figure this man out? He's a really amazing character, very interesting character. And when you go through Tehillim, like, it, when did it become a thing is an interesting question. It definitely became more of a thing, you know, in the last, I would say, 50 to 100 years. But it was always a thing. It was always a thing because everything is in there. Every emotion that any human being has ever felt is beautifully expressed and you know brought out in a tremendously godly way and you know it always amazes me there there were a few to that are kind of downers but the theme is mostly even if david's like really really down at the end of the tale he'll be like you know i hope to you god and like you know you're gonna save me god it's like this tremendous amuna Every now and again, like it's just like there's no, there's no happy ending to the Tehillah. It's just like, it's just like, you know, come on already. We're in such a mess. What are you doing? So uh, yeah, but it's like he gives expression. Like you know, it's interesting because in in so many ways you're connecting to Kadoshbarhu. But you're also connecting to your own emotions. You know, I just sometimes he knows exactly what I'm feeling. It's crazy. When did he have time to write them? Is what I wonder. The man is always on the run. Didn't have an easy life. 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna find some sources for you to to send you. I'll send it. You know, I'll put in the chat if anyone else is interested in it. Yeah. All righty then. Thank you, Riverton Sharon. Okie doke. Have a good evening. Should hear good news. That's mm -hmm. Be all of learning should be for the schut of the chayalim and the chatufim, and we should all come back safely. Not pashut. Alrighty. If you want to know about the dancing, so write to me. I'll, I'll reach. If I write to you, I get the standard answer. No, no, I still see them. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right, Anna. Later. Okay. Bye, let's go. Bye-bye.